Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. This week's show is about going to the deepest place in the ocean. And what it took to get there. Our question comes from a school in Michigan that listens to Tumble. We always love it when teachers play our podcasts in class. It was totally the highlight of my week when I got to Skype with Ms. Bullock's fourth grade class at George Long Elementary in Grass Lake, Michigan. Hi, guys. Our question comes from Nelly, who's in the first grade. Hi, is the deepest part of the ocean. Have we been there in person? So I asked Neely how she thought someone would get to the deepest part of the ocean. They would have to take a submarine to get down there, probably. Is that what you would do if you were trying to go find the deepest part of the ocean? Uh-huh. Well, what if submarines weren't invented yet? How would you get down there? Um, swim. If you think about flying in an airplane, cruising altitude in an airplane is 36,000 feet, and this is deeper than that. So, like, I've been in an airplane a few times, and every time you go up there, it just seems, like, crazy high, and you're saying that this is deeper than that? That is mind-blowing. Who is saying this craziness? <laughs> this is Galen Rosenwax, who's an awesome explorer. I'm a marine scientist, explorer, and filmmaker. And she's going to tell us what it takes to get to the deepest part of the ocean. Galen told me she was Naley's age when she started wanting to be an explorer. And then whenever I had the opportunity to do any sort of projects, even when I was like in kindergarten and first grade, it would always be about the ocean and it would always be about exploration. One of those projects inspired her for the rest of her life. I wrote a report with my brother's help, actually, we did it together, um, about Don Walsh and Jacques Picard's expedition to the deepest place in the ocean, the Challenger Deep of the Mariana Trench. Their story was almost unbelievable to Galen when she was seven. This crazy, amazing expedition that these two guys, Don Walsh and Jacques Picard, went down, you know, so deep in the water. It was 30, over 36,000 feet deep. So since like a, a meter is like a little bit more than three feet, that's like 11,000 meters. You know, that's like a mile higher than Mount Everest is tall. I mean, that's just crazy. The idea that this had been accomplished opened the world and the oceans to Galen. These two guys went to the bottom of the ocean. Why can't I? So, hold on, uh, where is the deepest part of the ocean after all? Like, do we even know where it is? Sure, yeah. So, the deepest part of the ocean is the Challenger Deep in the Mariana Trench. The Mariana Trench is where one of Earth's tectonic plates is moving underneath another, creating a deep undersea valley. The deepest part of the trench is named Challenger Deep. I love the name Challenger Deep because it feels, you know, like it's such a huge challenge to get there, but also to map it and to find it. It's far off the east coast of the Philippines in the western Pacific Ocean. Okay, so tell me about this expedition. Who were these guys and how did they do it? Did they just like get into a little snow globe and drop down? 
<laughs> close. That's really close. He was the son of the man who actually built the Trieste. Jacques Picard was a Swiss engineer. He was the son of the inventor of the Trieste, a submersible that could make the journey down to the deepest place in the ocean. And then Don Walsh was a lieutenant in the U.S. Navy, and he was also an oceanographer. And he was the lucky guy in the Navy who went on this naval expedition and was the first Navy submersible captain. So on January 23rd, 1960, they planned to make the dive down with the Trieste, which they'd been practicing with at lesser depths. Okay, well, so what's the Trieste look like? Well, it's a regular submarine shape, but it's got a little ball hanging off the bottom. <laughs> what's going on with a little ball? That's where the explorers sit. It's about seven feet long. And... Wait, wait, seven feet long? And there are two people in there? Yeah, it was cramped. <laughs> no kidding. The whole thing weighed about 8 metric tons or 18,000 pounds. That's like three full-grown elephants. It was very heavy because of the amount of steel it needed to withstand the pressure. So, like, what kind of pressure are you talking about? Were they, like, really stressed? No, she's talking about pressure, the weight of 36,000 feet of water on top of you. If you're swimming in a swimming pool and you dive down to the bottom of the deep end, your ears start feeling pressure. That's on a much smaller scale because you're getting sort of compressed by the weight of the water. So at the bottom of the ocean, there's just a huge amount of pressure. Right. And if the steel bubble surrounding the explorers didn't hold up, they would just get squished. Which is probably not how they wanted their expedition to end. No, they wanted to come up to the top. So they were about to make a really dangerous trip that had never been done before. And that day in 1960, the sea was rough and they noticed that some of their instruments had been damaged on the way out to the middle of the ocean. Oh dear. Yeah, but they decided that it was still safe enough to go on anyway. This is only a little bit broken. I think it took them around five hours to descend to the bottom. The submersible moved very slowly at first, and they were worried that they wouldn't make the dive in time to get up before nightfall. What surprised them is when they hit a colder layer of water, they completely stopped moving. Oh, uh, why, why did that happen? Why'd they stop? So the colder water was more dense than the Trieste, even though it was made of heavy steel. Oh, so it was stuck between water layers? Yeah. So how the Trieste worked was that it carried containers full of iron and these bladders full of gasoline. So gas moves you up, iron pulls you down. Anybody who goes in a swimming pool, if you want to get to the bottom, we kind of float. But if you're holding something heavy, you're going to sink. Okay, so they were basically sinking themselves? It was like a controlled sink with the iron. And then it would drop that at the bottom and then raise to the surface. So to keep sinking, when they had stopped, they had to get rid of some of their extra gasoline from the bladders. Okay, so they'd release the gas and it would get heavier to pass the cold water layers. Yeah, so after they passed those early difficulties, they started moving faster and they were dropping down through the pitch dark, seeing nothing but some very rare streaks of glowing plankton. They were deeper than anyone had ever been before. Everything was going as planned, until... Until they met the sea monster that lives at the bottom of the ocean and eats everybody who goes there? No. They heard a cracking sound. Oh no. One of their windows had cracked. 
And so I think that was sort of probably a moment of fear and sort of deciding what to do. No kidding. Yeah, but they couldn't even figure out that it was actually their window. All of their instruments and readings looked fine, so they decided to keep going. Oh, sure. <laughs> like, you only get a little bit squished if it fails. Yeah. I asked Galen if she'd be nervous if she were in their shoes. It would definitely be a little jittery. You're on your way down and there's nothing else you can do but use all your training and be there. So at this point, everything still seems okay with the submersible. They start feeling like they should be getting close to the bottom and landing any minute now. But they keep going and going. They're just plunging through the darkness. And then they're like, are we there yet? (laughs) And then they were there. When the Tria sat down at Challenger Deep, they were the first people at one of the very last extremes left to be explored on Earth. It's probably like being in space, but without stars or sun or planets, and the fish look really weird. Well, they didn't know if they were going to see fish. Nobody thought that anything could survive at the bottom of the ocean. Right, because of the extreme pressure, there's no light, so there's probably no food. And, you know, honestly, with thousands and thousands of pounds of water on your head, it's probably not, like, a good atmosphere for a restaurant. Yeah, all they had was a light out their window, and what they could see was just what happened to be in front of it. So they had a big stroke of luck when something swam right past them. They saw some sort of flat fish which proved that there was some kind of animal life down there, which was really exciting. They were only on the bottom for 20 minutes, but in that time, they had just made a huge discovery that changed our understanding of the ocean. And then I think it took just under four hours for them to get back to the surface. Since Don Walsh and Jacques Picard left Challenger Deep that day, only one other person, the filmmaker James Cameron, has made it to the deepest depths of the ocean. Is that the guy who did Avatar? And Titanic, yes. (laughs) He made a documentary about it called Deep Sea Challenger. And there's also been a few unmanned or robotic research missions to Challenger Deep, And they've helped us learn a lot about the environment of the deep sea that was a mystery to us for so long. So if you want to be an explorer, like, how do you get started? Is there a kit you can order online? Well, it's actually really easy to get started exploring. You just buy a deep sea diving robot? (laughs) I think the beauty of exploration is that it can be something on this huge scale, like going to the deepest part of the ocean, or it can just be in your backyard, you know, going and finding something new, climbing that tree that you then see a little bird's nest. As long as you're learning something yourself, then it's exploring. What's your advice for kids who want to be explorers? Look around and be observant, because that's really what it is. Being an explorer is noticing things that other people wouldn't notice and looking at the world with a certain curiosity that other people don't have. So while you're out and about, you should tell us like, if you notice anything that you think is unusual or even just things that are usually there that you don't always notice, uh, send them to us. Yeah, we want to hear what you're seeing and what you're noticing and what you're curious about.
Sometimes people they look, they don't see. They hear without listening. They miss the beat, and I don't wanna be the one to miss out. The one who's not looking at the world around, at the world around. Right now, we're listening to a song called Explorer of the World by Frances England. Thanks to Neely and Mrs. Bullock and her fourth grade class at George Long Elementary. It was so much fun to Skype with you. If you're a teacher who uses Tumble in your classroom, we definitely want to hear from you. Get in touch with us at tumblepodcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to the Explorers Club and Galen Rosenwax of Global Ocean Exploration. Sarah Lentz is our associate producer. And I'm Marshall Escamilla. I host and make the music. And I'm Lindsay Patterson. I host and produce this show. And join us next time for more stories of science discovery. Science discovery.